Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Right, good morning. How are we all? It's good to hear. All right, I want to start with something that some of you will have seen before, but um, it's an oldie but a goodie. So can I just show the first slide? Some kids were asked... Um, what are they most scared of? Um, Paul said werewolves. Nina said sharks. Let's go on to Dylan. Um, the most, what scares you the most? The unstoppable marching of time that is slowly guiding us all towards an inevitable death. <laughs> and one more. Catherine says Dylan. I think that would scare me, that poor child, those demon eyes on him. But um, it, is a, it, is an, it is an old classic. It was, I think, um, kids being asked something about Halloween. But it is um, quite fitting. Today we're starting a new series called Freedom From. And it's a four-part series. And we're going to be looking at the things that can rob us potentially rob us of our freedom. And we're going to start this series this morning with a very intense, powerful, um, potentially crippling and distressing emotion, and it's called fear. But I want to start with a little psalm that you know, Psalm 23. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and you're welcome to follow with, through whatever translation you like. But it starts out like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in, the green, in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And I want to ask a question this morning as you, as you read that. Is this a picture of your life? Hanging out with God, relaxing. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Is that a picture, a true picture of what your life is like? And of course, the outcome of this is also interesting. And that's the next verse. It says, he guides me along the right paths. David who is the person that wrote this psalm, is so refreshed. He's so refreshed. It, it seems like he doesn't have a care in the world that he can clearly hear from God. So he knows what God's saying to him. And so he's just able to follow God wherever God is leading him. It sounds like as long as I'm relaxed and as long as I listen to God, like life will be just this beautiful, peaceful situation for me. But let's look at the next verse. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Hang on, this doesn't seem right. Like you've just got this picture before of this guy just like chilling out beside a waterfall or beside a, a very calm pond. And David's just been praising God. 
because he's at peace and he's relaxed and, and he's following God's lead and all that sort of stuff. So what on earth is this? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the darkest valley? Now you could have been forgiven for thinking that David, when he wrote this, would have been in a really good place when you read the first three verses. And he was in his heart. In David's heart and in his mind, he's in a really good place. But what's powerful about this passage is he's still, even though he's in a really good place in his heart, he still has the same sort of problems that we do. He's still going through normal life. You know, God never said to us, if you follow me, I'll prevent you from having any tragedies in your life. If you follow me, I will make sure that you avoid suffering. God never said, if you follow me, you won't be affected by horrible situations. God never says any of those things. And that's really important that we recognize that again. And we've said this many times in this church. Because had God said these things, many of you by now would be disenchanted with him. You would have given up. You would have walked away from God if, he'd, if you thought that they were things that he had promised you. Because the reality is that most of us, if not all of us at some point, are going to experience tragedy or suffering or horrible situations. So knowing God does not mean no more dark valleys. Knowing God means you have this amazing help as you go through the dark valleys. And that is the difference. 2 Corinthians 4, I love this, verse 8 and 9 says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, and as I said, we will go through some dark times. And dark times can lead us to fear. But David says, I will fear no evil. I will see evil. I may be surrounded by evil, but I will not fear it. So fear is what we're looking at today. And as I said before, it's pretty powerful. It's very powerful. Fear, I have seen people um, literally stopped by fear. It will literally take a grip. It can literally stop you from living your life. It shuts doors of opportunity. I've seen people miss the best chances in life. Huge opportunities because of the fear attached to that. It limits our potential. Some people we think, wow, that person's going to go on and do so many things. Oh, wow, I can see, you can see the potential in this person. And it's never realised, sometimes because of fear. Fear leads to misery, suffering, anxiety, stress, worry. I've seen people get nauseous and depression. So fear is powerful. But here's the news. It's not all powerful. It can be dealt with. And if we want to deal with it, I think first of all we have to understand it. So first of all, where does it come from? Well, 
I can tell you it doesn't come from birth. You know, I know some adults, even on our staff, that I would call germaphobes. Now, these are people that are scared of catching some form of a germ and they are obsessed with cleanliness. But I'm not going to mention names. But I want you to notice, why is everyone looking at Danielle? Like, what's... But here's the thing. What's true of adults is not necessarily true of children. It's certainly not true of three-year-olds. I want you to look at some photos here of my son, Rocky. Now, when he was three, he, this is one. Yeah, well, it goes on too. There's, there's a picture of him there as one, and I think as a two-year-old on the right. But Rocky was no germaphobe. My son would eat off the floor. He'd eat out of my mouth. Um, you lick it, he'll eat it. Um, germs were pretty much no concern for this boy. As you can see here on the left, what he loved to do was walk around the house with a pile of poo. So he actually took a lot of pride in that. And so literally, he'd have nappies changed, not just one, there's a couple there, and he'd just hold on to them for the day and just march them around the house. So maybe not the whole day. Until we could, for as long as we could put up with it. But as you can see, he took a lot of pride in that. He'd get out in the garden, anything could go in the mouth, as you can see. Filthy, but he liked it. That was Rocky as a little boy. But Rocky's not like that now. It's, he's far more painful than what he used to be. Uh, you know, everything used to go in the mouth. It didn't matter if it was a coin or a Lego or, or used chewing gum. He'd eat the lot. But now, I can give him an apple. And if on the apple, have you seen sometimes you get little black blemishes on an apple? If he gets even the slightest bit of a blemish, he's, no, I'm going to eat that. He will not eat it. Bananas. They're yellow, right? But, you know, give it a couple of days, you get the little bit of black on that. Once it's got that on it, he's not touching it. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not eating that. Even if the spoon has a bit of discoloration on it, he will not eat from that spoon. If he gets something from his sister and his sister gives it to him, he's like, she's touched that, I'm not eating it. This is what we've gone. So something happens from age two to eight that is very, very tragic. It's the same with traffic. At two, he thinks the road is his, it was his playground. He literally did. He just walk anywhere. He didn't care. Now he gets to the edge and he's, he's jittery. He's very, very nervous. He's worried that the cars are going to run him over. Interestingly... Neither of my kids are worried about money. So if I had a midlife crisis and I went and bought a Porsche, they wouldn't say, Dad, are you okay? And they wouldn't say, Dad, how are you going like, to pay the mortgage? Like, can we actually afford this? No, they wouldn't do that. They'd say, what'd you get me? <laughs> it's true. So we know it doesn't come 
We're not born with all of our fears. I actually think that fear is the result of wrong belief. Now, Rocky loves water, and he's not worried even now about drowning. He thinks he's actually a really good swimmer, and that's what actually makes me very fearful, because he is not a good swimmer. I would say he can float, and he can flat the arms, he can float... Yes, about 120 centimetres. He's about 140 centimetres long. So, yeah, he can f literally, he can probably, he can lie in the water momentarily with his head above it. Sally's convinced him he's a good swimmer. I think she's trying to encourage him. He's not a good swimmer. And then he goes down to Gulwa Beach with the grandparents, and I get nervous. I get very nervous because there's surf down there. And so before he goes, I always tell him about how dangerous the rips are. And I try to explain to him, this is what a rip's going to look like. And, and this, uh, I, I talk all this sort of fear into him. And how he could drown and all these sort of things I tell him. And sometimes when I've been out there and I've noticed he's going way too far out and there's big surf down there, I'll start yelling at him going, get out, Oi, come back, come back. Now here's the problem, the way that I have been trying to protect him is by instilling fear into him. So what I'm actually doing as I think about this is I'm breeding fear. And if I'm not careful, one day he's going to go to the beach and he's going to be so freaked out by it that he's going to go, I'm not going in the water, no way, I could drown. Too many things could happen to me. And he might never want to swim again. And he could grow up fearing the ocean and just as badly never ever learn to swim properly. So instead of breeding fear into him, I probably need to spend more time teaching him how to swim and teaching him to respect the power of the ocean but not to fear it. See, I don't think we're actually born with all our fears. I think at some point we're introduced to them. And I think us parents have sometimes introduced some fears into our kids. And often, when we are introduced to fears, we open the door and we let the fear in. What does fear do to us? Well, I think it does three things. First of all, it punishes us. First John 4.18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. I think that Fear can torture us. It tortures the mind. It makes us anxious. It confuses us, so all of our basic rational thoughts go out the window and they're replaced with endless worry of all the things that can go wrong. So it punishes us. Number two, I actually think it can make some of our fears come true. Fear makes our fear come true. When Job was blessed with such abundance... When everything he had was then taken from him, what does he admit? It says in Job 3, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. Before Job lost everything, he already feared it would happen. He feared it and it happened. You know, Matthew 9, Jesus said, because of your faith it will happen. And I think it, sometimes it's just as true because of your fear it will happen. I think sometimes we can scare ourselves into thinking things 
I mean, if, if you think about it, if you are scared of getting really sick, if you worry about that enough, you're already getting sick, mentally at least. You're talking, you fear, you're talking sickness into you. Um, if you fear that no one wants to be your friend, and as a result, you go out of your way to avoid people because you think they don't want to know you anyway, guess what? You have no friends. You can actually make things into being. Fear can actually lead to things taking place. And number three, fear can take over. I've known lots of people that have been taken over by fear. It drives people to mental instability and sickness. But it doesn't start that way, you know. It can start with the smallest thing. And as I was thinking through this sermon, I thought, you know, I've heard this one a lot. It might even just be literally a spot on your arm. Fear can start with a spot on your arm. Now, rather than just go, oh, there's a spot on my arm. I wonder why that is. I should just go and see a doctor. People just worry about it. Hmm. I do have a, a spot there and that could be very bad. I don't know what it is, but it wasn't there before. But rather than go and see a doctor, a few weeks later they just look at it again and go, well, it's a little bit bigger than before, but it's, yeah, it's still there. That spot. They keep looking at it. They do nothing about it. It could be cancer. But they don't get it checked out. They continue just to worry about it. And so the thought keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. And each time this thought has a little bit more strength and a little bit more strength to the point that it eventually takes control and you start thinking, oh, well, I'm going to die now because I didn't deal with this and I'm just going to die. Fear takes hold. Now for the good news. The good thing about fear is it doesn't have to be permanent. We can be free from fear. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. If we want to be free from fear, I've got three short points for you this morning that I want you to try to remember. So I'm trying to make this... Um, as simple as possible, just three short points. And, then, and so the number one, I've called it, light it up. See, fear loves the dark. It loves the dark. It thrives in the dark. Its greatest power is secrecy. And we feel shame and embarrassment at times when we, when we fear something. You don't want to tell people that you're scared of this or scared of that. And this helps fear because it just keeps it in the dark. And so really, the first thing we have to do is get our fear out of the dark. We need to get some light into it. How do you do that? It's pretty simple. We tell God and we tell some of our friends. Say, I've got this issue. This thing, this thing actually bothers me. I have this thing that I'm scared of. I have this fear. And by doing that, we can start to actually work out what those fears actually are, what they represent. And by doing this, you light it up. You shed some light on the situation. So the first one's pretty simple. It's light it up. The second thing I think we should do is Bible it up. 
you know, fear doesn't just feed on the darkness. It also feeds on negativity, doubt, and uncertainty. Whereas faith, on the other hand, feeds on positivity and, and the certain promises of God. Now, God's promises, as you know, most of you would know this, unless you're brand new to the church, you would know that the promises, they're all there in the Bible. That's where God's promises are. And God's promises, I believe, tear up fear. When fear is confronted with God's truth, it destroys its power. So I want to encourage people to Bible it up. You know, if you... Can everyone see this? If you fear that you're going to do the wrong thing, if you fear you're going to do the wrong thing, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So God basically says, and when it comes to temptation... There's nothing that God doesn't have power over. Because you're not going to face anything that can't be... So we can just tear that thing up. If you fear sickness, and you know what? I know a lot of people do. I know a lot of people. It's not just a spot on the arm. But there's a lot of people that fear, constantly fear that there's something very, very wrong with them. And Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. You know, sickness... Sickness is pretty powerful. But Jesus died on the cross so that you could be healed. I know a lot of people that worry and have fears about this. Especially lack of. They're worried they're going to run out of this. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Everything that you need, not everything that you want, but everything that you and I need, God will supply us. So don't worry about money. I really haven't folded this one well, have I? It's really hard when you've got one hand. But there we go. It's amazing how many people think that if there's a dark room of the house that there must be some sort of murderer or attacker waiting to kill them. But there's a lot of them. Psalm 56 says, But when I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? You know, the worst they can do to me is help me meet Jesus quicker. That's the worst that they can do to me. I do need a hand. It's quite therapeutic, isn't it? Okay. 
Last one. You know, a lot of people fear this. There's a lot of people that fear death. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15 says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Not For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. I don't know about you, but I don't fear death. Now, I'm no crazy person that, you know, has a death wish, but at the same time, I don't fear death. Death is merely going to be a transition into eternity. That's all it is. So don't fear it. I hope that when I die, apart that people don't buy any sort of expensive headstones or anything like that, because that's a complete waste of time, but I do hope that when I die, that people celebrate. I hope. I hope, it's, I hope that's what it would be. I would hope that's what you would want for your funeral too, that it is a celebration. Because I'm planning on celebrating, so you might as well celebrate as well. It's called Bible it up. No matter what your fear is, you will find in the Bible something that will counteract that, that will put it into its perspective. And God's perspective is always eternal. It's so much bigger thinking than the fear, which can only deal with that little issue that you're scared of or that you have this problem with. God, God blows that out of the water and goes, hey, think, think bigger picture. Big picture, you've got nothing to fear. Big picture, you have an amazing future. No matter what you're going through right now, big picture. Think bigger picture. The third thing, I've got light it up, Bible it up. And the last one I've said is wise up. If you're scared of the dark, scriptures will help you overcome that fear, but not if you keep watching horror movies. <laughs> wise up. If you're scared of that spot on your arm, scriptures will help. So will a visit to the doctor. Wise up. I'm being very practical here. But sometimes Christians can be stupid. And we need to sometimes not be so spiritual and actually use the brain that God gave us. You fear you won't have enough money. Scriptures will help. Guess what? So will a budget. Wise up. If you're scared of being attacked, scriptures will definitely help. As will not wandering down the streets at 3am all on your own. Wise up. Light it up. Bible it up. Wise up. You know what you get when you do that? You get LBW. Any cricketers in the house? You want fear to get out? Get it out LBW. Yeah, could you remember that now? The non-cricketers are going, I don't know what he's talking about, and the others are going, that's the lousiest thing I've ever seen. I don't care. Here's the thing. You're going to remember now, aren't you? And that's what matters.
LBW. Fear is out. It's what we've got to do. If you've got fears, light them up. Talk to someone. Talk to God. Talk to your friends. That's what the church is here for. Talk to each other and say, hey, I've got this, I've got this thing. It's a bit embarrassing. I don't like talking about it, but I'm going to tell you because I trust you. That lights it up. It, it puts it out there. And together, you and your friend can go, well, let's find a scripture. Let's put this into perspective. Let's put it in eternal perspective. And then let's also wise up. What's some things, that, what's some practical things we can do that aren't going to trigger this fear in you as we deal with it? Does that sort of make sense? Before we hand over to the worship team to end the service with a time of worship, I'm just going to pray for everybody if that's okay not individually that would take a while but I'm guessing that there'd be some people here that would have certain fears I'm certain of it and I really want to just encourage you to consider this approach that we've looked at today genuinely consider this don't let your fears control you let me just pray for everyone here Thank you, Lord. Lord, I know that fear is not of you. Lord, you, are, you, you call us to faith. You don't call us to fear. And Lord, this morning, if there are people here that are being held back, they're, they're, they're being prevented, they're being stopped because fear has a grip on them, because fear is currently stopping them from living and doing all the things, Lord, that you are calling them to do then this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would give people the boldness to actually step out and light this thing up. Speak to others about it, even just speaking to you, Lord, just letting them know. May they just share with you the concerns, the fears, the worries that they have. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that as they do that, as they go to you or others, Lord, I just pray that, that others and you would put on their heart the right scriptures, the scriptures that would Bible it up, scriptures that would counteract their belief in relation to this or the wrong thinking and the things that are preventing them from seeing your destiny for them, your picture, your, your future for them, that this is robbing them of that. And I just pray that that, Lord, would be counteracted and that thing just like the pieces of paper before, Lord, that that would just be destroyed. That would just be ripped up. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us all to wise up. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us godly wisdom to know what to do with the things that we do have control over. Lord, with the, the things that we allow ourselves to be exposed to, the things, the, the thoughts that we allow into our head, the, the images that we allow into our head, the the things, the content that we consume, the people that we hang around, anything that would lead us to, to grow that fear. Lord, may we wisen up on that. Make changes in our lives, Lord, that leave us, lead us to a, a, a life full of faith, not of fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If anyone after church wants me specifically to pray for them because they've got something in particular that has really been in this area holding them back, 
then this series is about freedom from and you know I, I'm happy to start the process with you today and pray for you as you head down this path of lighting it up bobbling it up and wising up God bless you thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church if you have any questions please email info at portlife.org.au have a great day